0: In the dream, I was sweating and I was panicking that I got shot. Shots fired! Shots fired! I'm in the back of an ambulance, the paramedics are trying to hold me down and they're saying, don't worry Mr Chin, we'll be at the hospital soon, don't worry. (laughs) I don't care if I die, I just want to go and take my Shahada first. I can't die unless I'm a Muslim. And they're saying, stay down, stay down, we'll be there soon. I'm saying, look, they say, we'll be there first. I'm saying, you can't hear me. Because in the back of my head, I'm hearing, don't die unless you die in the state of Islam.
1: Assalamu American Brother Bilal. Thank you for accepting our invitation. We are really happy to have you with us. I want to start by asking who is Ashley Bilal Chin and can you tell us briefly about your life?
0: Well, Ashley Chin is my birth name. I was born and raised in London, the United Kingdom, and I was raised as a Christian. Spent most of my childhood in South London on a council estate, and then I converted to Islam when I was 19, and that's when I chose the name Bilal. Growing up, I was always into music, and then I ended up building a career out of that. found myself on stage from the age of 14, winning competitions on the mic. But now I find myself on stage talking about my life and my experiences, the things I went through as a youngster. I say that I turned all my mess into my message. So I'm on stage all around the world now, talking about my life and my experiences with the hope to not teach anyone anything, but inspire people who can relate to my journey. Yeah, and I'm a spoken word poet
1: can you tell us about your previous life your life before islam how was that life in the streets as you will
0: so life before islam on the streets is sadness this is my earliest experience of sadness like why don't we have this why don't we have that why is my mom crying why is my mom so angry and upset how are we gonna get out of this mess and i remember and this is one of my most unique stories from my childhood there was a guy, major mental health called Glenn, and we used to call him Mad Glenn, and he used to smell funny, his clothes were bad, and he used to come through my estate, and all the kids used to run when he was coming. Like, oh, Mad Glenn's coming, we used to run off because he just looked crazy like he was on medication. But my mum, as poor as she was, she always used to invite him in our house. And she used to invite him in the house and she used to offer him like, "Oh, do you want some dinner? And she'd tell him, my mum was like very straight to the point. Glenn, you smell bad. Have you had a bath today? Have you showered? Are the people not giving you because he lived in a mental home? And my friends used to wind me up and laugh at me and say, oh, why is Mad Glenn in your house? Is that your stepdad? Is that your mum's boyfriend? And I used to get angry. Like, no, it's not. So I used to get angry at my mum. Why would you keep letting Mad Glenn in the house? Until every time he's leaving, he used to say to my mum, oh, have you got any money? Can I have two pounds to just buy a drink? Can I have one pound for this? Can I have five pounds? And my mum, as broke as she was, she used to always be like, "Ah, oh, Glenn, look down the side of the sofa, see if there's any change and she'd give him whatever she can anyway there was a day when our electricity ran out and my mum was in the house months later she's crying she's drinking she's slamming the cupboards and i used to get scared when she's like that because she's drunk and i remember she said only god can help us you better pray to god because i don't know how you're going to school tomorrow we ain't got no money for dinner you better pray because only god can help us and it's like we're gonna die like this i'd rather we just died and i'm like mum why is she saying she wants to die so at that point i started praying and I remember praying for my mum, like, help my mum, God, like, just help her not be like this. Help us have some money. And then the door knocked. And when the door knocked, my mum used to say, like, don't answer the door straight away because she owes people money. It could be anyone. So I used to go to the window and I'd have a look and then I'd see who it is first and tell her, like, oh, it's this person. So I looked. I see mum. It's glenn it's mad glenn she's like oh, not today so you don't owe many things so she's opened the door she's like glenn i ain't got time today i got no food in the house nothing i got nothing to give you and he said no wait she went to shut the door she said wait i want to give you something and he's like what she goes I, he goes i got money i got money they gave me 80 pounds and you remember you he always helped me i wanted to give you 20 pounds so and my mum was like oh glenn give me a hug and she gave him a hug and he gave my mom 20 pounds but i remember thinking I just prayed. I said, God, help my mom. Give us money. And then the door knocked. And I wrote one of my poems called um, Signs where I said, we was broke, prayed for money, then the door knocked. We were scared, prayed for safety and the car stopped. There's so much weight behind it. I'm thinking about that time. Like That was the first time I experienced where I prayed and the door knocked yeah. and we got money. That was the answer. So I had a tight relationship with God from then on. I used to talk to him all the time as a youngster. But I wasn't a Muslim, but I knew God exists. I went to the church.
1: Did you know anything about Christianity or you were praying directly to God, the one God?
0: So as a Christian, going to the church every week. At Friday prayer, I never forget, we used to um, take it in turns to lead the prayer before we She used to feed us. And I was like 11 years old. I used to like breaking rules. So when it was my turn to lead the prayer once, instead of doing an exact prayer the way we're meant to, done like a little rap or rhyme (laughs) and just, you know, being silly as a kid, I'm trying to make people laugh. So I'm like, thank you, God, for the chips. Thank you, God, for the beans. Thank you, God, for that. And I'm trying to make people laugh. And then I got told off. But when I got told off, I tried to be cheeky and say, what's wrong with that? I said, thank you, God, for the food, the chips, the beans. She said, we're meant to say for what we're about to receive in Jesus' name. And I said, yeah, but I thanked God for everything. So it's the same thing. And that's when I realised she's arguing saying in Jesus's name. I said, why? But I thank God. And I think I said something silly trying to be smart. But then I started thinking I've got a point because I said, OK, but is God not? And I said, all right, so you made the food, but I'm going to thank the other lady for it. How does that make sense? I'm just going to go straight to the lady and say thank you to her. Why do I have to go to you? And I told my mum about this and it was like, you know, Jesus, the Trinity. And, and I started getting saying, I don't know, I just believe in God. So I left the church from young, tw- 13 or something. And I was in a place where I don't know. I just believe there's a God. That's one thing I don't need convincing about. There was uncertainties around everything else.
1: I was going to ask that. So you didn't know about Islam back then. So how did your journey to Islam begin?
0: There was a guy in that conversation, that guy I had the conversation with. He's someone I used to look up to on the streets when I was on that estate and we didn't have much. This is that guy that used to drive a convertible with the big chain and the gold teeth. And he used to come on a motorbike doing wheelies and as kids we will be like so surprised, like that guy is the coolest. I used to even lie and say, yo, that's my cousin, that's my cousin. And everyone's looking like, don't lie, he's not my cousin, but he was so cool I wanted him to be my cousin. Now I started my music studio with his younger brother. So we've got a studio in the, like the the loft of his mum's house. Now I hadn't seen the older brother, the one who used to drive the motorbike and the cars for years, and one day we're in the studio, we're older now, we're 18 years old, we've got motorbikes now, we fulfilled our dream. But where's your older brother? I haven't seen him for years. And it was one day he said, my brother's downstairs. And then he comes upstairs, and he comes, knocks on the door, opens the door, and he's like, he looks at us, and I'm expecting him to say, yo, you look all right, motorbikes are outside. But he just says to his younger bro, turn down the music, please, five minutes, and leaves. Then he comes back in and he's like, yo, turn down the music, five minutes, please, and leave. And he does that a few times throughout the day, but he doesn't come in and address us much. He's distant. I didn't know what he was doing, but now years later, I know why he was telling us to turn down the music. His older brother had become a Muslim. He's downstairs praying and he don't want to hear the while he's praying his salah. And then one day, how I know he's a Muslim, he comes in the room and he addresses us. And now we're young men and there's a transitional period. The early stage of our life is ignorance, but we get to a stage where we have to decide, what are we doing? (laughs) Like, why are we here? What are we living for? So he's saying, what are you lot doing? What is your purpose of life? So I took that question quite serious. And he says, you lot not believe in God, I believe in God. I'm saying, yeah, I believe in God, of course. And he says, you come from a God. When you die, what do you think happens? I said, you won't know, it will be black. He says, you come from a God and after you die, you're gonna return to that God. And you're gonna have to stand and account for everything which you've done while you was here. So right now, while you're here, you're being judged. You're being tested. So it's like the angels are writing down everything. And when he was telling us that, I'll never forget this part when he's saying the angels are writing down everything you do, what you do in public, what you do in private. So what's your day of judgment gonna be like when you're called to account for that which you done? You done this, you done that, you done this, you done that. I'm
1: saying, boy, my day's gonna be mad.
0: (laughs) I just wanted to clean it up a bit. And that was the beginning of my journey to Islam.
1: Then how did you come closer to Islam and accept it finally?
0: The guy said to me, now that you're taking these steps towards Allah, Allah is going to come running to you. I didn't understand what you meant at the time. But over the next few months of my life, everything he said made sense. I said, I just believe in God. The guy said to me, look in a dictionary what a Muslim is. You sound like a Muslim. Just believe in God. The final message from Muhammad is go back to the original state, worshipping God alone. And if you accept that as your religion, you are Muslim. So I realised that's what I'm closest to. A religion I knew nothing about was now everywhere all around me. Everywhere I turned, I was just seeing Islam, Islam, Islam. It's like the signs were just coming to me. I'd go to park my motorbike. I used to ride a motorbike sometimes outside a shop. And I'd say to the guy that I always see there, can you watch my bike for me? I'm just going through the market. But today he says to me, "Yeah, Yo, watch your bike, but do me a favor. Take this. And he gives me a pamphlet. What do you know about Islam? I was like, what's, what's this? What, are you Muslim? He says, yeah, but I'm here all the time. I thought he just sold those sticks that smell nice. But he had a whole dower storm my first time I engaged with him. So I took it and I said, yeah, I'm learning about this, I'm interested. I was driving in my car and there was music I used to listen to and these MCs that used to rap. I used to listen to them all the time, but now, I heard one of them was saying things differently. He was saying, inshallah, we reached the Jannah, never drive either of the devil's car. Assalamualaikum rahmatullah. And I started saying, oh, I've heard this so many times, but I didn't know what he was saying. But now that I've been speaking to a Muslim, I'm, so now I'm driving and I'm listening. I'm going, ah, oh, he's speaking like, so now I realize he's a Muslim. So now I'm starting, it's like it was everywhere. It was all around me, this religion. And then I started to um, research it more and more. And I would go back to that same guy and speak to him. And to be honest with you, I didn't need much convincing because as soon as I understood that I was created by God and I accept that, I also accepted that whoever created me must know what's best for me. It's very simple. Like if we have a camera here, I just think, I buy that camera, so I own it, but it doesn't mean I know better than the person who made it. <laughs> so even though I own it, I might be like, yeah, it's mine, I'm gonna do whatever I want with it, of course, but if I don't follow the instructions, I'm not gonna get the best out of that camera. It's due to break. Now, the worst that I see in life is we're breaking down. We're all breaking as humans, but we're complaining. Why am I going through this? Why am I going through that? But we're not following the instructions of the person who created us. So I'm saying, if God created me, He's instructing me on how to live my life. I don't see these as rules. I see these as instructions that I should follow if I wanna get the best out of this life. Because I don't make God any greater. I don't make Allah greater by following these rules. It's for myself, it's for my own benefit. He's saying, do this. I'm saying, you know what, if I was created by Allah, how I worship Allah is by following these instructions. It's better for myself. And then I get the best of this life and the best of the next life. And every rule I see the benefit in, whether it's to sleep on your right side, you see the benefits. Whether it's to eat with your right hand, you understand. Pray five times a day, fast in the month of Ramadan. They're not a burden, they're actually things that are better for you. So some of them I found hard, but I realised, you know what, if God created me and he's saying this is the best, our way's not working, my way's not working. I made money, I've done films, I've done this. There's an emptiness inside, something's missing. Everyone, I look at humans, everyone's carrying this emptiness. I saw a quote that says, we're a nation of sad people with happy pictures. And I see that's true. It's like everyone's sad. Why? Because we're all trying to figure out life ourselves. So these type of things after reading the books made me say, I want to become a Muslim. I want to submit to the will of Allah.
1: What was the last thing that happened that you finally decided to take the Shahada and how was your Shahada? As alaikum brothers and sisters, we realized that 80% of our audience, including this video, are not subscribed to our channel. As you know, we are a non-profit organization and advertisements are disabled on our videos. Towards Eternity is not just a YouTube channel, but also a medicine. Here we try to educate ourselves and the youth Islamically. So the only reason we are asking for this is to spread the truth. It may seem like a small act, but inshallah it will help us reach millions of people. Now let's click the like and the subscribe buttons and let's together walk towards eternity what was the last thing that happened that you finally decided to take the shahada and how was your shahada
0: so i believed that islam was a true religion but i was like scared to become a muslim i know now shaitan was whispering in my ears i was thinking maybe i'm not ready do i know enough maybe i'll become a muslim and not be a good muslim like i don't want to do it and not do it properly so i was taking long but i knew it was a true religion my brother used to always see me and say, You ready? I say soon, inshallah. Insh- and he'd know I'd say soon, and he'd say, Say inshallah. I say, Inshallah, inshallah. He goes, That means if Allah will. And then he kept saying, Death comes anytime. Angel of death could visit you every day. And one of those times, Allah's going to say, Be, and it will be. So this is scaring me. And he goes, Do not die unless you die in a state of submission. And don't die unless you die as a Muslim. This is Surah Imran. So I'm saying, no, I'm going to do it soon. I'm going to do it soon. And then I got some big reminders. That studio we was at, our manager got killed and she's not even involved in crime. I think death was so close to home. I remember having a dream that I got shot and it was like in the dream, I was sweating. and I was panicking. I thought it was so real. I'm in the back of an ambulance. The paramedics are trying to hold me down and they're saying, don't worry, Mr. Chin. We'll be at the hospital soon. Don't worry, stay with us. But I remember in the dream saying, I don't care if I die. I just want to go and take my shahada first. I can't die unless I'm a Muslim. And they're saying, stay down, stay down. We'll be there soon. I'm saying, look, can you hear me? I need to become a Muslim first. Can we go there before we go hospital? They say, we'll be there first. I'm saying, you can't hear me. I need to become a Muslim. Because in the back of my head, I'm hearing, don't die unless you die in a state of Islam. And I'm thinking, no, I'm going to die. But I haven't done it yet. I haven't done it yet. I've been waiting too long. I'm going to die. So I woke up. And when I woke up from the dream, you know you have that moment where you're like it's just a dream that that felt so real i'm sweating and i'm so relieved that i'm okay i never got sure it was a dream and then i had a shower and i got on with my day driving in my car but i remember i went to my studio and i spoke to the older brother i said i had a dream you know i got shot mad and i was telling him about it and he said when you was in that dream you was panicking you were sweating you thought everything was on the line. I said, yeah, 100%. And he said, when you woke up, you just like, ah, oh, it was just a dream? Yeah, just shower. You got on with your day. I said, yeah, exactly that. He said, that is how this life is. He said, right now, when you're in this life, all the things you're worried about, you're panicking about, you're stressed about, you're getting all worked up about, depressed about. You know, when you go to the grave, an angels going to come to you and ask, how long was you in that life? I'll say a day, part of a day. That's it. He says the person in the grave looks back at this life The same way the person who wakes from a dream looks at a dream He said this life is nothing I said you know what, why am I taking so long? I'm ready to become Muslim now I want to do it today I want to take my shahada today And he said what today? I said yeah today I'm ready He said let's go Yasa's house is always open Let's go there and we can take your shahada there So he phoned brother Yasa. And he said Uncle Yasser Come. I have a new guy who wants to take shahada He says bring him, bring him So we go there And they were all excited to have me there and they brought this food, and all these little experiences of, I'm sitting next to her brother, and they brought this big silver tray of food, and they said, come closer, let's eat, let's eat. They wanted to share the same plate. They wanted to eat together. They wanted to like be one after we ate, and said, you ready now? And the brother sat opposite me like this, and he's like, give me your hand, and I, I repeated after him. And I just remember the look on everyone's eyes when I said those words. It was like, they're just, like I've done something amazing. They stood up, and they all hugged me. And like, I never hugged a man before that (laughs) He was like hugging guys, one of them I remember he hugged me, and kissed me on the cheek like He was like, love, welcome, Allahu Akbar You're now a Muslim And my brother said, how do you feel? I said, you know what, I feel different I feel like, so different, I feel pure, like fresh He said, go home, take a shower And they were like, so this is what you have to do You have to start praying five times every day Do you know how to pray here? And it was like, everything was coming at me I was just so overwhelmed, so I was learning and then one brother was writing it down for me So I got it on paper and I remember carrying that paper around for a week Taking it in bathrooms, putting it on the side, looking at it, hands And, I, and it had all water on it, the ink was smudging And I remember writing out how to pray And I drawed stick men next to the ring And I used to pull it on the floor and I'd read it and go Raise hands to air Allahu Akbar, put arms across chest, say Alhamdulillah, and I used to read it, and then after about five days, I realised I don't need the paper anymore. I know it because I was doing it. They said you have to pray five times every day, and maybe sometimes we're too lenient, but because they said you have to, I didn't see it as an option. You know, like sometimes today I have spoke to people and they say oh, I don't pray or oh, I miss my prayers, and I say, oh, you speak say it like it's an option. Can't do that with prayer. Many, none of us are perfect. No one is perfect. But one thing I say, you see prayer, that's going to save us. That's the one where we're asking Allah to guide us to the right path. Don't see that as
1: an option. So how was your family's reaction? And since you're so grateful to Allah for guiding you, did you try to preach Islam to them as well?
0: I think naturally when you find religion, it's like you've won the lottery. So I was happy. First thing I've done is I went to the Islamic shop. I bought a head wrap. Tied my hair I bought the gown Six months into my shahada I'm walking around like I just graduated from Medina University Walking in my house My mum's looking at me Saying he's dressing like he's from Afghanistan now And I'm talking to my mum By the way Did you know there was a person And this happened And that drink that you're drinking Is going to take you to the fire And blah 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 The outcome My mum's saying what's right?" And I'm even speaking with an accent Because it, it is like I've been listening to so many talks I'm putting on this Arab accent And my mum's speaking Why are you speaking like that? Like you're fresh or from abroad. I think sometimes you lose your identity and you just go in, it weren't working. I think my mum was probably a bit scared and it was like, what's he doing? And and I think when you don't know so much, you like to speak too much. I don't know anything, I'm new. I've just had a few classes and I'm acting like I know everything and I'm giving everybody dower, and I'm correcting everyone when they're doing something wrong and I'm telling everyone "Oh, this is bad, this is right, and my knowledge is so small. But it's like, you can tell how much knowledge someone has by their character, by their manners, by their wisdom. So my manners was all over the place. I'm, I've almost got an ego. I'm acting like I'm better than people because I've got this and I'm almost speaking down to people. It doesn't work at all. So to be honest, my mum wasn't interested. My sister weren't interested. And then the more you learn is the less you say and the better your character becomes. So I hardly teach my mum anything. I hardly try to correct her wrong. Now I've got a conscience. How's that gonna make her feel if I say that? So I was less, I learnt more, said less. And it was at that point where my mum was more interested. I'm more curious because the best hour is in your actions. So she's seeing the type of boy I'm becoming. And she's saying, I remember we used to clean the house every Sunday and it'd be like reggae music playing. But now I'm playing um, an Islamic talk in my room. But my mum's downstairs cleaning and she could hear the talk. And she said, oh, what's that? I said, Islamic talk. And she goes, but I heard him talk about Jesus. I said, yeah. So when they talk about Jesus in Islam? I said, yeah. Like, this, all these stories from the Bible are in the Quran as well, you know. She goes, oh, let me listen to that one then. Bring it down there when you finish. I said, All right. So I gave it to my mum, and I used to hear her always listening to this tape. The one tape I gave her every time I come home. My mum's got the tape on, you're right. And then sometimes she's cooking, she's playing the tape. I said, You're playing that tape again? Yeah, I like it. It's really interesting what he's saying. I said, oh, Okay. I got another one if you want. And I was thinking of a tape that I wanted her to watch. I said, Yeah, it's one you can watch. And I went and got it. There's Ahmadi that is debating with a Christian, is the Bible the true word of God? But the way the debate was, I remember letting my mum watch it, and she's watching it, watching it, watching it. And she's like... "Um, yeah she's just getting her bible out and listening and she's saying wait no yeah he's, he's right he's right and she's getting angry at the tv no he didn't say yes yes i remember i see my mom crying she's talking to god talking to god crying my mom's got a lot of pain in her a lot of pain things she went through in her life she was abandoned as a child no family and she's saying he's right and i could just i see her She just agreeing with the muslim it's true went upstairs to my room prayed Made the Ata Allah, Allah, just guide her. I can see her. She's coming, please. Allah, guide her. And you know what? I'll be honest. I remember I went to the office and my teacher is the one who gave them Shahada. I was learning with this teacher in private. And I honestly believe you see, when Allah says, remember me and I will remember you. When really and truly, if I just focus on my relationship with Allah, Allah will take care of all your affairs. Now, through these classes we were doing and we we're doing them, He's the one who said, "You learn well in this room, but I feel like you're distracted outside. Why don't you go to Egypt? That's where I'm from, and I can get you a teacher there, and you have no distractions." So that's how it came about that I'm going to go to Egypt to study. So when I feel like for being on that path, I'm going there and studying and learning, and then making that big step to say, "You're not know alone. I'm going to go to Egypt and study and leave everything." I feel like it was. A reward, like, I haven't even been speaking to my mum where it was just like, yeah, they both want to take Shahada. I'm sitting in that same office with that teacher and he's saying, Are you booked for Egypt tomorrow? I'm saying, Yeah, but here's my mum, here's my sister. And he gives them Shahada and they're sitting there with headscarves on. It's like, yeah, it's like I honestly see, you remember Allah, Allah, will take care of your affairs.
1: They both took their Shahadas. They both became... took their Shahada. SubhanAllah. Alhamdulillah. SubhanAllah. So, why did you choose to
0: rap? The rapping, the poetry wasn't planned. When I was living in Egypt, It's my first time travelling, so I felt so far away from everything I knew and everything I was comfortable with. And I remember standing on my balcony of this cheap apartment, just thinking, wow, I'm in Africa. How did I end up here? And I'm learning Arabic. And I just felt like quite emotional Like I'm so far from my mum. I don't have a mobile phone. I'm just alone, but I feel at peace. And when you feel like that, sometimes you feel like all you have is Allah. And I remember Like I said, when we was on the streets and we're doing stuff, writing is like our therapy. That's how we let out what we're feeling. So it was when I was there, I didn't write it in order to perform it. I was just saying it. I found myself in the other side of this world, all for this religion, all for what Allah revealed. Look at Bilal in a small flat by myself. Quran in between my knees, books piled up on my shelf. As I read, memories flash me in my day. Everything looks different, so many things have changed. To Bilal now, this world doesn't look the same. All the things I used to like, I can't even like again. So this is what I started doing. I'm just doing it in the flat, you know, like in my spare time. And it's like, I'm just going through my feelings and my journey. So anyway, fast forward, when I came back to London, we went to the masjid in Lewisham on Eid and the Imam there, and he said, you went to Egypt. How was it like? You should share your story in the mosque. I said, no way. I was say like, no, 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 no. He says, come, 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 come. I'm going to bring you to the front. And I'm thinking, no way. All these elders, uncles, what are they going to think when I go to the front of the mosque and talk? Takes my arm, Salam alaikum everyone. You know Mother of Muslim Bilal? He's going to now tell his story in a nice poem and stuff. So I was on the spot and I was like, oh, I find myself in the other side of this world. And I told my story. I remembered it, I rhymed it, and I kept going. And I remember how engaged everyone was. And honestly, that's just how it happened. I never really had a plan like, oh, I wanna be a Nasheed artist or a poet. It was more personal. And if someone asked me to do it, I'd go and do it. And I'm still the same now. That's why I say always say to Allah, if it's good for me, just keep it coming. If it's bad for me, stop the phone from ringing. And that's it.
1: Can you share your favorite lines rhyming and can you explain it to us, whatever it means?
0: So I was actually in Malaysia performing And I'd been there a few times to perform. So I performed a track called Brother. And it's like, Brother, do you want for me what you want for yourself? Brother, do you pray Allah gives me strength and health? Brother, do you gossip about me like I'm a star? Brother, do you love me? Brother, do you want, because I was thinking, only the true believers will enter paradise and you're not a true believer unless you love for your brother what you love for yourself. So if we're true, and I was thinking, but what I see amongst brothers is, do we really love each other. Do we really want for each other what we'd want for ourselves? Or do we enjoy like, yeah, pointing the finger at each other, putting each other down? Is this the real love? Are we the true believers that want paradise? Or are we caught up in the bubble? The world, do you understand? So I made that one, brother, do you want for me? What do you want for yourself? And it went quite well. And then I heard someone shout what about the sister? <laughs> so I said, I was on the spot. I was like, the sisters, what can I say? And I remembered a post, an argument that I witnessed on Facebook. And a sister who, like you can't see their picture, said something like, yeah, but all you brothers are so interested in the girls who show everything. I remember thinking, no, that's not the truth. That's not how. So I was like, sister, I can't even see your face. Sister, I don't even hear your voice. Sister, I don't even smell your scent. You must be the one to last scent. Pious sister, I don't even. So I just went into that straight after. And what that was is to give upliftment to say, look, don't ever feel just because you're like, oh, they prefer that. You're, the, you're pious, like, be comfortable with what you're, where you're at. Don't ever feel I have to do more to fit in with that, you know?
1: So lastly, if there was a chance to speak to all the non-Muslims in the world, what would you like to say to them?
0: I would say, as a people, we need to learn how to think. So we get so caught up in living that we don't think much, like, what are we living for and why are we living? And sometimes you have to pause life and stop and think. Don't get influenced just by your heritage. It's like, because I'm born in England, the Church of England, I'm going to be a Christian. That means if I was born in Israel, I would have been a Jew. So it's not about what's the truth, it's just about what I inherit. I don't think religion should be an inheritance. We should search for the truth, like, and we should research.